Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook them up, rolls on. Hour three of our five-hour Tuesday morning conversation. Chilly outside, temperatures uh, right at 40 degrees, but uh, a little frost out there this morning, which is nice. It's going to be a beautiful day. Next couple days are uh, about as good as it gets. Temperatures right around 70 degrees, sunny. Nice stuff, nice stuff for um, early December. Climbing on towards Christmas, climbing on towards the new year, and certainly a lot going on in the realm of college football. NFL hitting its uh, regular season apex here over the next few weeks. With some big-time games, including the Cowboys and Eagles on Sunday night. Uh, first place on the line in the NFC East, safe to say. That's big, huge, big game. That's huge. Uh, and a must-win game for the Cowboys. Uh, because if you're paying attention, the Eagles, part of the reason, you know, we saw them get flattened, I think, by the Niners on Sunday. Uh, Niners are damn good, <laughs> especially when healthy. Uh, and you know, juggernaut when healthy. But, you know, that was the end of their – well, this coming game with the Cowboys is kind of the end of their gauntlet, if you want to call it that, right? They had a stretch where they played Dallas – Buffalo, Kansas City, San Francisco, Dallas, mm-hmm. in over a five-game period. Yeah. Um, and they've gone three and one, like as ugly as they looked on Sunday. So if they were to beat the Cowboys Sunday in Arlington, they'd be four and one in that five-game gauntlet, which you know gives them a huge advantage. Also give them a two-game cushion over the Cowboys in the division uh, with, back, with both wins of the year. Um, and, the, and the Cowboys are just starting their gauntlet that we've talked yeah. about, right? I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, served, they beat Seattle the other night, survived that game. Uh, and now it's Philadelphia, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit over the next four weeks. And so if you win this game, you you because I think you're right, Rod. I think if you're the Cowboys, you're looking at that you know five game gauntlet. If you can go four and one or three and one, three you know three and one over the next four, you're going to be in a real good place, like the Eagles. Because the Eagles lost, but they still went three and one against the Chiefs. Yeah, they did. Uh, the the Cowboys the first time and the Bills. All games were very close, but they won three of those. That's what the Cowboys really have to do over and the they, next and they month met stretch. The toughest of those opponents in the last game in that stretch, where they had played, I believe that was their third game in like sixteen days or something like that. So they were just worn out. Yeah, they looked tired, and uh, but the Niners were just—I mean, what a machine! Oh, they, they, when it's not Niners are healthy, they're the best team in the NFL. Oh, uh, I, and, and I, I may not be close. It really not. I, I mean, don't I'm know not, if it is either. And Purdy now. By the way, speaking of tie in the gambling numbers, um, Brock Purdy's moved into a uh, to the top spot for the MVP. Well, and get a perfect passer rating. It's, the it's now a three way tie, actually. With, oh, with what? Dak, Dak, Brock, uh, Purdy, and who else? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Okay. Ooh, so Dak. Sunday separ- night's game's pretty big. Yeah, Dak can <laughs> separate from Jalen Hurts in that conversation with a win and a great performance. Uh, but yeah, Brock Purdy. It's it's just strange. I mean, I don't think anybody has really just uh, kind of taken ownership 
of the, the MVP conversation. Remember, C.J. Stroud was in it for a while. C.J. Stroud still leading the NFL in passing yards for a rookie. Um, so I think it is open to a guy like Brock Purdy potentially winning it. What hurts Brock Purdy, I think, is that there's so much uh, there, there, there's so much props and there's uh, just so much uh, I think you know pre preseason hype given to the 49ers because of Shano and because of the weapons and because of the skill talent and it's not necessarily buzz about the QB people think that the 49ers win in spite of the quarterback that's that's the narrative that's hurting Brock Purdy. Well, he uh, on the road in a hostile environment where the Eagles are really good. He had a perfect pass. No, remember rate. they don't when the Forty ers are down oh. in the fourth quarter or when they need a quarterback oh, to right. go get them a game-winning drive. Matter of fact, none of their quarterbacks have been able to do it. Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, nobody that because Shano's blueprint isn't built that way. They're built to be a front runner, and what you want to see from quarterbacks is what Dak's doing. Yeah. What you want to see from quarterbacks is what Jalen Hurts did the last uh, three games prior to the one playing the, uh, the 49ers where he's down by double digits and finds a way to win in the fourth quarter right. and put together a game-winning drive. You don't see that from Brock Purdy. So I think eye test-wise, it does hurt his case a little bit because you hadn't seen that moment from him. And I don't know if he has that in him. The 49ers don't need that. That's not yeah. how they operate. Well, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not a Purdy you – know, I'm not going to knock the Purdy guy. Purdy apologist. I don't think he's a really good player. <laughs> Uh, and he makes some high-level throws. That's the one thing. Speaking of people from Bo Nix and the short passes, he completes vertical throws. He pushes the ball down the field with a high completion percentage, which is to be credited. But, look, there's no question he's part of that whole system. Then, I mean, it's hard for me to call him the MVP because he's, he's not the best player in his own team. He's not the best player in his, his own offense. offense. <laughs> in the backfield. He's not yeah. the best player in the backfield. That's hard for me. <laughs> uh, and that's the juggernaut of the Niners. And I think, any, I think anybody that knows football is really just watching unbiased would tell you if that team stays healthy, because mm-hmm. they look like when they're we're going. Because I've seen them flatten Jacksonville this year. We saw them flatten the cow, beat the Cowboys. We saw them, um, you know, they beat the Eagles and the Cowboys by twenty three and thirty two points. Yep. Um, they just they can overwhelm you with talent because they've drafted well, developed well, and traded for Trent Williams and traded for Christian McCaffrey and added the right pieces. Now Chase Young, they just they ooze. Ta- they look like one of those. 90s dynasty teams like the Cowboys, there where it's just pre, like pre-salary cap teams. Yeah. Like, how the hell you get all these dudes? I mean, that's not <laughs> you're not supposed to have all those. And, and part of it is having Brock Purdy on a on a really low rookie rookie contract. And part of it's just front office savvy. Like yeah. how the hell they get Chase Young? You know, yeah. what I mean, got Randy Gregory picking like, the pocket of bad organizations. <laughs> yeah. You know, Carolina against Christian McCaffrey and let I mean, remember Carolina paid most of the big Christian McCaffrey dollars. Yes, they did. Uh, so they got the best running back in the league. They got a t- top tight end. They got the best left tackle. They've got two great receivers. They Nobody's got, got great more, on defense. More all pros and former all pros on their team than the 49ers. And that's not even a knock on the they Cowboys or the Eagles <laughs> or the Lions. If they stay healthy, there nobody can beat them. They're really not. Uh, the only thing to derail them, in my opinion, is health. Um, if they stay in the, and avoid a really critical big injury. I think they'll be in Vegas in a Super Bowl, um, but this is the. But you've talked about it, Ryan. You know, Kyle Shanahan's one of your your good buddies, one of your best friends. That this is his window. Uh, this is the year. Yeah, they they add, they basically extended the window with Brock Purdy. They extended their window a little bit more, like you said. He's the lowest paid starting quarterback in the league, so they extended it a little bit. But all of those guys that they need to pay big money to, oh yeah, they're it gonna, comes to yeah, it comes to at one point. And I believe they're right on the cusp, right on the precipice of having to pay some of these guys. They got uh, Hufanga on the. He's a, he, he didn't 
he's, he's hurt right now, the all-pro safety, but he's going to be a guy that comes up. I don't know what Fred Warner's contract looks like, but, hell, man, you can't keep him in Grinlaw forever. Right? Yeah. Somebody's going to pay one of them dudes. And that D-line, that's, but they're good on D-line because they keep stockpiling pass rushers. They always draft them and you know, they always they had, acquire them. I, I didn't even realize it. Charles no, Lennon. Yeah, well, uh, no, no, he's gone. City. Yeah, he no, they, no, they brought oh, it. So, um, they, so they, they signed Randy Gregory when he got or traded for him from Denver when they were going to cut him. They traded for Chase Young this year, and they have uh, Cleveland Farrell, the former Clemson player. Who remember when when the Vegas Raiders took him in the just, top five? They just stockpiled. So him. he's he, he never lived up to being the fourth pick in the draft in Vegas, but he's a good player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that Clemson team that was so good back in the day. They just they're really good, and that's again. I I'm yeah. not a Niner fan. No, I just it, watch what, football. But and that's think what they no do though. That team. If somebody throws away a good D lineman or they don't like him, they will bring him because I mean, who was with him? Yeah, like two years ago because they were like, oh, this guy's a good pass rusher. We'll pick him up. They 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 do that with all the teams around the league. You got a scrap heap pass rusher that's just a good D lineman. They'll pick him up, stockpile him with their group. That's what they they do that with all their guys. So yeah, you be looking for where's that guy? That guy ends up on the 49ers? Yeah. End up on the 49ers. Well, they love your scrap heap D lineman. You know Shannon better than anybody. You said it when it happened. When they added Christian McCaffrey, if they keep him healthy, because he has been an injury risk, that's the that's the missing piece. That's it the is. final piece because it yeah. makes them when you can you know, hand him the ball going left behind Trent Williams and play action off of that with those receivers and all the, the, the creativity that Kyle Shanahan has, it is – and their defense is excellent too. So it's, not, it's like you've got to deal with both. And, and look, this is the, the Cowboys. This is the Cowboys' best team I've seen. Uh, this is a really good Cowboys team that's kind of coming in. Doing, yeah. That's so, why. Because I do think Cowboys are one of the three, four best teams in the league right there with the Niners, uh, Eagles, Cowboys, Ravens. I think those are your, probably your four – most complete football teams. Miami would like to join that conversation with Tua, but they still haven't beaten a really good team yet. That's kind of that's an opportunity they'll have with the Cowboys Cow- coming I'm up. Say the Cowboys are in the same conversation. Yeah, they are. They, they are. haven't beaten a good well, team. You know what's funny about yet. that? Before we get to our top stories, real fast, the uh, the Texans have beaten more good teams than the Cowboys have. Like for Texans fans, at seven and five. The Texans have beaten Cincinnati with Joe Burrow when they were on a winning streak. Jacksonville in Jacksonville. Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, who's a seven and five team. They beat. Uh, wow, um, that's, that's I, I didn't think about Denver. That. Right. Denver You're was right. the hottest team in the league at yeah. a five game win streak, and we're six and five. And we, the Texans own the problem for the Texans. They lost to Atlanta. They lost to Carolina. Uh, they lost, uh, you know, the games that they shouldn't have lost, or they have a better record. But they've beaten some pretty damn good teams this year. Uh, and, you know, with win- impressive wins. That's what the Cowboys have not done yet, but they do have the opportunity to do it starting this Sunday Dak, night. Yeah, and that can separate again, the, that MVP the, conversation. The records of their next five, four opponents are, you know, 10-2, and 6-6, 9-3, 9-3. They're going the road and, uh, what, to that Buffalo game? Yeah, the 6-6 six six Bills. So and yeah. I think in Buffalo in December, that's in a better Miami, than Miami, the 6-16. Six Miami's not a hard place to play, I don't think, but it could be. Yeah. They're oh, a hard team to play against because of the style of play, but I don't know that they got an intimidating road environment in Miami, do they? Yeah. Uh, in Miami? No, not really. I don't think so, right? They're yeah. in the club. They're back <laughs> right? in the club. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> like I said, yeah, just to Miami, just the people that go to the games. The like, problem with going to Miami ruckus. is you got to keep your players off of South Beach. That is probably the distraction. There you go. That's it's right around Christmas, issue. too. Mm-hmm. Christmas Eve. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, it's warm outside, the beach. That's what you got to worry After about. After playing in Buffalo the week before. There's a lot of good looking people in Miami. Even the homeless uh, women are attractive. Is that Miami. right? Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I got there last January. You're right about it's that. It's a good-looking people in Miami. Let's get to the headlines, trending topics. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonequin bring you the top stories and uh, start with Texas football. Longhorns, we know the uh, the busy 
stretch begins now. Longhorns a month out to their national semifinal game in the Sugar Bowl uh, with the Washington Huskies. But uh, between now and then, uh, Longhorns coaches have to deal in, uh, over the next couple of weeks with a lot going on. The players are going to uh, finish up their academic semester, get a couple of weeks off. Texas coaches will be navigating the transfer portal and recruiting with the early signing window opening on the 20th. At least one Texas assistant is going to be handling more than that. Co-defensive coordinator, linebackers coach Jeff Choate, officially introduced as the head coach of the Nevada Wolfpack yesterday. He's going to take over that program in, in uh, Reno, but does say he plans to split his duties between Nevada and Texas for the next month. Believes he owes it to Steve Sarkeesian, these players in the Longhorns, to finish what they started. And it's not really about me. It's about providing consistency for the players on the defensive side of the ball so that when we go into install meetings or we go to practice, the rhythm of their day is the same. And so the balancing act is really going to be once we start bowl practices. The good news is I'll pretty much be here rocking and rolling until the 15th. We're not practicing until the 15th. And so I think it'll be the, you know, there's going to be some long days. Um, but I think the right thing to do is to, is to provide consistency and stability for the guys in the program there and finish the mission. Good for him. And, uh, of course, the transfer portal did open yesterday. Flurry of activity across the country. That included a pair of Texas defensive backs into the portal. According to Inside Texas Safety, Jalen Catalan has entered his name into the portal. Of course, came in from Arkansas this past offseason. Redshirt freshman defensive back Xavion Bryce also into the portal. Biggest name across the country into the portal yesterday came from Columbus. Ohio State starting QB Kyle McCord. He was one of 11 Buckeyes to enter their name into the portal yesterday. A uh, slew of players from uh, Columbus Jr. will be one of the hottest prospects in the quarterback market. He joins Oklahoma's Dylan Gabriel, Duke's Riley Leonard, Washington State's Cam Ward, UCLA's Dante Moore, Oregon State's DJ Uyunglele, and K-State's Will Howard all in the portal already. Uh, Heisman Trophy finalists announced yesterday. We mentioned three quarterbacks and a wide receiver headed to New York for the presentation of college football's player of the year. LSU's Jaden Daniels, Oregon's Bo Nix, Washington's Michael Penix, along with Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. Shocker on Monday Night Football last night to wrap up Week 13. Jacksonville at home lost to the Bengals in overtime, 34-31. Bengals did it with their backup quarterback, Jake Browning, leading the way. He had a huge game. A bigger concern now for Jacksonville, though, the health of their starting quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. He suffered a right ankle injury late in the game. Will be reevaluated today. Looked pretty severe. NBA, the league's first ever in-season tournament, saw its first two knockout games last night. Indiana Pacers sent Boston home with a 122-112 win. New Orleans topped Sacramento by 10 as well. Both victors now head to Vegas for the Thursday semifinal games. Remainder of the semifinal bracket will be determined tonight with the East top seed Milwaukee facing the Knicks. Uh, west Out west, it'll be Phoenix traveling to L.A. to face the Lakers. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho ho ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Shout out to my man CB who did send us all the um the Heisman Trophy winners with three losses. Um 2016 Lamar Jackson uh, Louisville, he was the uh, last one, 2016, Lamar Jackson. Then 2011, Robert Griffin III, Tim Tebow, of course. Uh, in 2007, Ricky Williams, 1998, 87, Tim Brown, 85, Bo Jackson, and then 81, Marcus Allen. That's And then George Rogers in, eight, in, in the 1980s as well. So before that, you go Jim Plunkett, Ernie Davis, uh, Vic Janowitz in 1950. So... There have been quite a few that have won the Heisman oh, with three losses. Oh, Vic Janowitz. How did I miss That's an Ohio State player. That's old school right there. So, yeah, I mean, there have been more guys who have won with three three or more losses than I thought. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously his, his his year would be a lot like Lamar Jackson's. Jackson's, yeah. Yeah, just spectacular and can't overlook it. Even kind of like, I mean, Tim Tebow had freaky crazy stats, right? That's why he All won the touchdowns, it. running. Yes, yeah, so you got if you're going to win it with three losses, freaky crazy stats or you're playing a position 
that is not quarterback. Or, or you're Ricky Williams and you run to the record book yeah, with you the uh, all-time rushing Yeah. Lead. So it's going to be something freaky statistically is how you're going to win it. And he is freaky statistically. Yeah. 50-some, you know, total touchdowns. That's wild, man. Hey, props to uh, – I want your thoughts on uh, – I know he's not the first coach to do it, but I love the message from Jeff Choate right there uh, that he owes it to these Texas players to keep it consistent. Sark did it when he was coaching mm-hmm. Alabama and still trying to build what he was doing at Texas, yeah. uh, taking over. It's the right thing to do. Finish the mission. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, it actually is a very positive message, and I'm glad that he's thinking about the players first. Like, I don't want to disrupt too much of their stuff. My life is going to be hell, basically, is what he said, for you know, about two weeks or so because he's basically going to be working a double shift and doing two jobs at the same time. Um, but I, he, he knows it's worth it because you, these, these young guys, this opportunity is so rare that they're going to get. And as you pointed out yesterday, until the time comes where they have to, you know, obviously be a part of the college football playoff festivities and then, you know, everything's going to be crazy and wild. You want to keep them as regimented as possible and on as much of the same schedule and routine as possible. Almost, you know, impossible when you think about, you know, school and finals and then, you know, obviously the holidays coming up. So it's already going to be thrown into a lot of chaos. And I don't think he, I don't think he wants to contribute. To the chaos because it's going to be a lot of yeah them. and there is right and yeah. uh and recruiting you know, and transfer sark, portal yeah again it's it's you know good that sark has experience with this right having done it as an assistant coach mm-hmm. understanding not the coaching thing but just dealing with everything that comes with being in the semifinal being yep. in a college football playoff yeah, he knows uh and how you build the schedule because it's a tight it's a it's a it's a balancing act and the coaches you're already seeing the pictures of the texas staff we saw jeff banks in with a recruit in the in home mm-hmm. uh that's what the coaches are doing players and you really want to encourage the players they had a banquet where they honored all their their their, their championships and yep. you know best players and uh, you know that I'm sure that was a blast for the for the players only. Uh, now you really kind of want the players to decompress a little bit, Rod. You don't want them to lose their their intensity, but you want them to get off their feet a little bit, you know, work out, get a you know, stay in the weight room, but let your bodies heal. That's the main uh, thing. Um, you know, it's, it's been a grind of a 12 game, 13 game season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had one bye week in there, but uh, let bodies heal. Get your grades in. Get your get your you know final work done for the academic year, and then you know it's a line you got to walk, and you want to be able to ramp it right back up. And Sark even said yesterday, you, know, you don't want to install the game plan for too Washington early. too early, no. and it becomes mundane. Yeah, you know you want the guys to approach it with excitement, yes, um, and anticipation. So yeah, I think they probably wait two weeks because you can take this time actually and work on some fundamentals. You can actually because you got a little bit of time takes you work on the deep ball defense. Well, remember when <laughs> and you all, I mean, Sark indicated he'll the treat, deep ball. Sark indicated he'll treat it just like the uh, the bye week where you know a lot of young guys got a lot of reps yeah. during the bye week and yep. uh, the the veterans players the right the starters kind of get off their feet a little bit. Get let some them get mental reps. Yeah. And then you come back the next week, however you line up the dates, and then that's when the install goes in, and that's when you really start ramping up the intensity. And you want to – obviously, your, your ultimate goal is to hit the field January 1st at, you know, 5 o'clock that night, peaking, uh, you know, with the peak intensity yeah. and reach that back. That will obviously be the uh, the focus of Washington as well. And that's what – you know, you, the matchups seem even. Uh, there has been some matchups in the Final Four where they didn't seem even, and we've seen some blowouts. Uh, but yeah. in this case, with the coaches, mm-hmm. with the talent, that, I think that's what we got last year with TCU and Michigan, with uh, you know the the the, the Ohio, Ohio State, State Georgia, Georgia game. You know, really talented teams, really good coaches, a month to prepare, bodies to get healthy, and to be really on point. I mean, the, both of those games were just spectacular. And I did hear a lot of people, including Stephen A. Smith and others, you know, saying TCU, the, you know, using TCU as an example for Florida State. TCU got in, I thought, rightfully last. They got in as a three seed, and they beat Michigan. 
They They're earned their spot. So, so they, they proved the committee right. Yeah. You can't <laughs> use them as the Florida State example, yeah. I don't believe. They proved the committee uh, right. They beat Michigan. Uh, and, and they had a starting quarterback. And, they, and, and look, did they get devoured by, you know, a week later by Georgia with a team that, damn, remember, Georgia damn near lost to Ohio State. They saw their season flash, and they, they were superior talent-wise. But I, I, it's hard for me. And I'm not, you know, TCU, Florida State. Florida State, you know, they wouldn't have won a game if they got in. Yeah. I don't believe. Now, again, that's my speculation. That's why the people arguing for them to be in have an argument that you can't predetermine that, y'all. You can win games with defense. They could get out there with Michigan and uh, you know throw those athletes around, keep it close, find a way. Uh, I don't think that would happen, but that's my opinion. Yeah, you can make that argument. I, I, I think that ultimately if the way you're looking at it, and I, I think the committee got it right this time, and people don't like when you say this, but this is a television show and a television (laughs) product and they're just trying to find the best product they can put out there for tv and i like i said i i know you can make the argument that what florida state played defense and great special teams and found a way to win the game you can't because there are three phases and you can play really great in two of the three and who knows the the third string backup quarterback may play really well with extra time to practice but when they're trying to predict this but but you can still make the argument that that wouldn't have been the best television show. And I know you don't want to hear that, but that is part of what this committee is tasked with accomplishing is finding what's the best television product yeah. that, that, America, that college football fans are going to enjoy and they're going to be excited about. And this is it. The Florida State one, they wouldn't have been as excited. You know that's true. And I know you don't want me to say it like that because that's against the meritocracy and it goes against kind of the sanctity of college football. But we're in a different different era. And this is about television eyeballs and this is about, you know, advertising dollars and ratings. And this will get this going to get way higher ratings than anything thrown out there with Florida State and their backup quarterback. It's just the reality of it. Yeah. So. And because of that, it's not unfair or wrong to say that Florida State got screwed. I mean, yes. they, got, they took the screws, yes. man. Because I'd rather have watched Bama <laughs> and Nick Saban and the GOAT and what they're going to offer than Florida State. Yeah. That's what it came down to. Or if you want to put Texas there, then you'd rather take Texas yeah. in that television product over Florida State. That's why they lose out, man, and it sucks. It does. Yeah. It's unfair. It's not fair at all. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people have talked about the fix being in with ESPN. ESPN, starting next year, will own the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they, once again, that's that's just your TV. So I'm not against the conspiracy theory. I'll give them the grassy note with anybody, but I don't know if that's a conspiracy theory. I think that's just good business. Yeah. (laughs) Why are we going to put on a subpar product and we don't have to? Well, and again, you, you know, I heard a lot of people mentioning Cardell Jones. We talked about that through yesterday. I mean, Cardell Jones, if the kid for Florida state had come in against, uh, Florida the week previous and then, you know, against Louisville Louisville and looked really good. Looked like an NFL draft pick. And, and look dynamic uh, like Cardell Jones did. You know, but Cardell Jones made his debut at the end of the Michigan game. And then in the Big Ten Championship yep. game. And in the Big Ten Championship game, he was record-setting. Killing it. So that went into the evaluation. You can't say, use Cardell Jones as an example, and then not cite that information. Mm-hmm. You can't. Because, uh, again, the TV show. Cardell Jones went into the Big Ten Championship game and put on a show. And it was uh, – because, remember, it was, uh, it was JT uh, – was J.T. Barrett. J.T. Barrett, yep. who, you know, took, remember, that was the third quarterback because it was Braxton Miller to start the year. He got hurt. Tom Herman, J.T. The Barrett OC. came in. Tom Herman, <laughs> Herman's the O.C. But they had Zeke Elliott as the bell cow. Yeah. But when Cardell Jones came in, the offense became more dynamic than it was. It was weird. It was crazy. Because the deep passing game came in because he yep. could throw it a mile. And so the committee looked at it and said, damn, 
They're just as good. They're just as good, maybe better. <laughs> you couldn't watch Florida State play without Jordan Travis and make that same claim. No way. You could not. Mm-mm. So that's that you can't use Cardale Jones, a third string quarterback. No, a third string quarterback who made his team more dynamic. Uh, you improve the team if you're trying to get the best four teams. So, again, you could talk your circles around here, but I think I think they got it right, but I also think Florida State got screwed. That's crazy. Hate that for them. They, were, they played number three, 13 Wisconsin uh, that year in the Big Ten title game and beat them 59 to nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With Cardell Jones. 59 to nothing. They were number 13. That was a top 15 matchup. And as if you didn't watch the game, it was oh. mostly unwatchable. Florida State beat Louisville 16 to 6 and had 55 passing yards. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. I, yeah, and I, won it with their defense. Yeah. Cordell Jones had basically three games and made himself a fourth round pick. Yes, he did. In three. <laughs> Thank you, Tom Herman. <laughs> Because you know he was the one famous for saying at Ohio State we don't we don't play school. We don't play school. We don't play man. no school. We don't play no school around here, man. We play ball. And then, and then props to Tom Herman because uh, he was there when he graduated. Because oh, uh, Cardell good. Jones came all the way back and got a degree. Yeah, he did, which is pretty awesome. He was a funny dude. Actually, oh, he had hilarious. a great personality. Man. He was a funny dude, actually. Well, and that was Urban Meyer. I mean, that team was so talented. That I mean, that old. team was so talented mm-hmm. uh, with Zeke Elliott. Third string quarterback, Yeah. You wouldn't have to start. But, see, Texas has – I'm not saying Texas has Cordell Jones, but you do have the luxury. If Texas' third string quarterback was – if Texas was down to their third string quarterback and then they were in the same position as Florida State, if Arch Manning would have went out there and balled out, Texas still would have made it because they would have been like, it's Arch, it's a Manning. Yeah. And he's balling now. We'll take it. Possibly. Because yeah, they really? said if Quinn Ewers was injured – look, if Quinn Ewers was hurt, Texas wouldn't be in. Well, if they, I'm saying they were in Florida State position. They were, like, going undefeated. Undefeated. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I'm saying if they are in Florida State position. You're right. They were in Texas position. No. You know, yeah, and they were undefeated, and they had their third-string quarterback. If that third-string quarterback was Arch Manning, and he actually played pretty well, they let him in. Because it's a, it's, it's a different yes. conversation. Yeah, undefeated, yeah. yes. Undefeated, and yes. he's a Manning. Uh, and it, <laughs> hello. TV show. Yeah. TV show. TV show. All right, we'll pick it up on the other side. It's uh, And Rod will take us behind the BOC. He's done some early deep dive look at Washington, the Huskies, what they're all about. We got to see him last year, but a year better under Kalen DeBoard. Also, uh, a round of off the record before the end of the hour. Let's hook him up with Ian Rod B. All right, a little uh, at the turn presented by Callahan's. And uh, be looking, as we said earlier, for that video out today on all our digital platforms of uh, our course of the month, our December golf course of the month, Gray Rock Golf Club uh, out there uh, south on, on Mopac, headed down towards 1826. Great spot, great people. Uh, talked to the pro, played a few holes with our buddy Omar Uresti. They've done the complete reno there. They shut it down in the summer and came back online in November. Uh, you know, greens are larger and looking great. The tee boxes are flat are, are um, uh, leveled out and looking awesome. And then, of course, they did a bunch of sand bunker work as well and uh, looks phenomenal. A municipal course, but plays like a, you know, at times when the weather's good and everything's in good shape, plays like a country club. It's still an awesome place. At Gray Rock, be looking for that and uh, looking forward to uh, talking talk about them throughout the course of the uh, the month of December. We'll have a new course every single month brought to you by Callahan's General Store to keep your your yard in golf course condition. Do it at Callahan's. Uh, coming out of the uh, Hero World Challenge won by Scotty Scheffler, Rod, you know what the big conversation in golf is right this second? What is that? Is John Rahm headed to the Live Tour? There are reports that John Rahm is uh, about to accept a $600 million deal to join the Live Tour. And um, Wow. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Spieth was asked about it this weekend in the Bahamas and had a pretty contrite five-word answer and said, I really hope he stays with us. Uh, mm. Which So it's us versus them, essentially, with the PGA and with Liv. Uh, John Rahm, the Spaniard, of course, but uh, won the Masters last year. There is chatter about that in the Liv yeah. Tour and its future and everything that's going on there. So 
uh, keep an eye on that because right now, um, you know, you're because now it's the time to vote for Player of the Year in golf, and mm -hmm. John Rahm's up there. Scotty Scheffler is up there, so we'll keep an eye on John Rahm. Scotty Scheffler off to a great start. He won that Hero World Challenge. Uh, so a little at the turn, Rod. We're nine holes in. We got nine holes to go. We'll. You know, five hours, our conversation every single morning. We appreciate our friends at Callahan's General Store for bringing it to you. Look for that golf course of the month, Gray Rock. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's get into uh, this Washington matchup a little bit. Got a chance to watch uh, Washington. I've been watching Washington all season long, actually. It's one of my favorite offenses to watch. I would I'd venture to say that it's probably one of Sark's favorite offenses, too, not only because he used to coach at Washington, uh, because of the vertical threat. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was my man Cedric Golden was uh, asking Sark a question I believe it was, man, it was in regards to, um, I think, I believe, I'm not mistaken, it was in regards to when they were playing like BYU or something, and they were talking about uh, his time there as a, as, a, as, a, as a coach, and they started talking about like Lavelle Edwards and the offenses and stuff, and he brought up, I don't know if it was said or if it was Sark who brought up Don Coriel. And he just started kind of rambling about Don Coriel and then got himself back on track. <laughs> he got sidetracked talking about Don Coriel. He grew up watching Don Coriel. Yeah, fans. you could tell that he's a Don Coriel fan. I bet, football theorists to football theorists, if I ask Sark, hey, Sark, do you think that um, Washington offense reminds you of a Don Coriel offense? He'd probably go, hell yeah. And he probably started rambling on about Don Coriel offenses and the Washington offense. We, the, the reason I know that he's a, he's a Don Coriel fan, this is because he's a West Coast guy. But his offense actually had is Corey Yale-ish too. Remember when Sark first got here, one of our big complaints was he throws too too many deep balls, too many frivolous deep shots downfield. He loves deep ball. And what did Sark say when he kept being uh, criticized and being antagonized about the deep ball? He just said he kept saying, "We're gonna throw it." We're going to throw the deep ball. It's a big part of our offense. All right. We have to throw the deep ball and we have to make it work. He said that offseason after offseason. He's only been to the three offseasons and said it both offseasons uh, when he was being asked about it. And we have recognized, or at least I have recognized, and I think you guys have as well, um, and that he's accepted the reality. They're just not good at it. And he's not going to chase deep balls, even though it is something that is close to his heart as a play caller and as an offensive mind. Um, it's close to his heart, and I do think it's part of his DNA. But he realized chasing those deep balls, especially on first down, and half of Texas deep balls came on first down, um, that that put you behind the chains when you didn't connect on them. And even though you're trying to inflict this psychological damage on your opponent by making them operate from a state of fear constantly of that deep ball, you're actually uh, doing more self-harm because you're putting yourself behind the chains and you ain't got Bijan and Rojo to bail you out in second and ten. <laughs> and then you end up in third and long, and we all know that's when Quinn Ewers is actually at his worst is when he's – and that's, by the way, that's all quarterbacks. <laughs> when they're, they're in third and long predictable passing situations where his only pit come from in his best game ever as a longhorn, maybe his best game ever as a football player for his Oklahoma State, third and long. I remember, and we, I said it before the snap. I was on the NBA Live Watch, and I was like, third and long. 
he's going to be bad here in third and long. Yep. And he, made, and he threw a pick on third and long. And it was inexplicable. He was like, did you not see that guy? He's a different quarterback on third and long. That's why he's coming back to school. Yeah. So he can work on two. Because the NFL scouts go, dude, I need, you, I need third and long. You to be a different quarterback. The third and long, you, just, you go from being elite prospect to being the average Joe on third and long. And that's about going deeper into your progressions and getting through your progressions quicker. And that's why he's coming back to school. And by the way, he'll take care of that. And he'll be fine. Um, but, but getting back to it, this uh, Washington offense, it is very Coriel-ish. And I think Sark, deep down in his heart, he wants an offense like Washington's offense where he can just take deep shot the deep shot. And it doesn't hurt his offense because his quarterback is so damn good at it. And he's got a great complement of wide receivers that are elite when it comes to this, their ability to make plays on the football downfield. Uh, and here's the, and that's why Texas, that's what Texas got to defend, right? This is the the big issue for them in this game, guys, is their ability to defend the deep ball. It is the most sophisticated passing offense they're going to see all year. It is the best quarterback they've seen all year, and the second best quarterback was Dylan Gabriel, and the second most sophisticated passing offense was Dylan Gabriel's offense there at the Venture in Oklahoma, and that's the only loss for Texas. So the one, my one fear factor. In this game for Texas. And it's the only one. I think Texas matches up well with Washington actually uh, in almost every other matchup and across the board. But the biggest fear factor for me, how do they defend those deep passes? 100 attempts, E. 100 attempts of 20-plus yards or more down the field. That's how many attempts they've gotten of deep balls this season. Um, that is the most in the Power 5. They throw the most 15-plus yard throws down the field of any team in college football. He's got 14 touchdowns of 20-plus yards on the season. Um, by the way, that's tied for third in the FBS. You know who he's tied with? Jalen Milrow. Think about this, though. We said this after the Alabama game. Even though Jalen Milrow got benched and didn't look like an elite starting quarterback, what do we say? Man, he actually has a pretty deep ball. And what did he complete against Texas? Over the top. Some deep, yes. <laughs> Few deep balls. Oh, that was the only thing that really worked for him. Getting was receivers deep. locked up on safeties. Yes. Hitting them over the top. Deep, now, deep, he also deep. threw the interceptions. Threw the interceptions. Backbreakers for them. Yeah, and by the way, I'll say this too. Penix will throw you a couple. That's right. He's got nine picks. He's got 33 touchdowns, so he's, he's a spectacular quarterback. But he's got nine interceptions and should have more. He throws the ball with such velocity. DBs like myself with bad hands just drop him. I've seen that watching film. Coming in hot. Yes, because he trusts his arm so much, E, and he should. Because he makes NFL throws. They throw deep out cuts. You know, sometimes we talk about Quinn Ewers throwing those deep 20-yard curl routes. And usually as a DB, I don't have to defend that at the college level because how many quarterbacks can throw that? What, 1% to 2% of the quarterbacks in college football can throw a 20-yard out or a 20-yard curl? He can do it. Yeah. And Quinn can do it. But he can do it. I've seen, they, they love the deep out cut. They'll throw it. And he, he trusts his arm. He trusts his arm, I think a little too much actually, and he trusts his receivers. So he will throw you a couple just because he's like, my guy's one-on-one, I'm throwing it. I'm giving my guy a shot. And he'll just throw it to give his guy a shot and trust that his receiver, being veterans, because they got three NFL caliber receivers in my opinion, um, that he'll either break it up or he'll just go make a play on the ball, that the DB won't have a chance to make a play on it. But every now and then they do. Uh, so my big thing here is – can Texas defend the deep ball? If they can defend the deep ball, um, that makes Michael Penix Jr. and that offense a whole lot less dangerous and lethal um, because they don't like throwing intermediate passes, actually. That, that if you look at his passing chart, they throw the fewest intermediate passes of, of any of the levels of the, uh, the field. Uh, they throw the zero to nine yards, that level of the field, the most 34% of Penix's passes there. But then the second highest rate, deep balls. Deep ball. 
Deep ball. Yeah, they're, they're going to stretch deep. the field. They deep are. Ball, they're going to stress your safeties, and that's been a challenge. How about Derek Williams and his suspension that will be appealed? That's something you'll yes. watch there for the Longhorns. And it's a uh, it's a DB's game for sure. And pressure. It is. Pressure. Pressure is probably going to be more important than the DBs because I think the DBs are what they are. Yeah. I don't expect them to, you know, drink Red Bull and grow wings overnight and start and become elite cover guys. They're all getting they're, – they're getting better. But, guys, we saw even versus Oklahoma State. Hey, I mean, Texas wanted Brandon to come and challenge them. They, yeah, yeah, the Texas DBs, you can get behind them and you can make some plays on them. And this is the best group of wide receivers that they will have seen all year. I don't know if Texas has seen a group of wide receivers this good since they played Washington. Last year. <laughs> Last year. And 27 points was the number. And they yeah. – uh, um, you know, their offense wasn't great in that game. Uh, real quick on a breaking news piece of information in the transfer portal, but according to Burnt Orange Nation and a couple other Longhorn-centric sites, Another one? the Longhorns have offered Purdue transfer wide receiver Deion Burks. We can talk about that because I, um, I watched film on, on Deion Burks. I went and watched some film on him and did a um, talking ball um, on Texas video with my man Jerry Hamilton. And we talked about that. There's two receivers at Texas apparently is really interested in. Juice Wells. From South, South Carolina, Carolina, all SEC player, um, and Deontay, and, and yeah, Deion, Deion Burks. Burks. Deion Burks. He'll, yeah. His he when you look at his bio, he looks a lot like Xavier Worthy. He's 5'11", 190. He's a yeah. track guy. Uh, runs the two hundred meters. He's out of Michigan. Speed, speed, and quickness. He's not the biggest guy, but can really run. Yep, and you know, Sark Sark's got a type at wide receiver. He doesn't mind you being small-ish or slight-ish as long as you can be a speed demon. Um, and Deion Burks is that. So we we can get into that because I, I do want to talk about that a little bit because uh, the transfer portal it, it's lit. Got heated up yesterday, and the Longhorns uh, they're very. I think they're going to be very picky in the portal because they can afford to be. Uh, but there some positions are going to be just key for them in terms of. And I think receiver is probably going to be the biggest priority for them in the portal. And by the way, in the portal, receiver is one of those positions you can get quality yeah. in the portal. You can't get every position of good quality in the portal. Receiver, you can actually – there are a lot of good receivers in the portal. I think it's the deepest position in football at any level. Uh, but getting back to uh, Washington and Penix, this is kind of our just preliminary uh, breakdown here. We'll be getting deeper and deeper into the X's and O's as I watch more film. But there's no doubt, deep ball, that's what they want to do. That's what they major in, and they're probably the best in college football at it. Um, and they've been working together. This group of wide receivers, they, they got 3,000-yard wide receivers. Right now it's Odunze. He's their top guy. He's, in, he's a first-day draft guy, period. And he's an NFL wide receiver if I've ever seen one. He's the real deal. They got uh, uh, Polk as well. Uh, McMillan is the other wide receiver. At one point in their careers, all these guys have been 1,000-yard wide receivers. Here are the points where I've seen Penix struggle. And it's the number one. He will throw you a couple because he's overconfident, in my opinion, in his arm and in his receivers that he's throwing to. So he has no fear and there's no indecision. He'll just let that thing go. And sometimes you're like, that guy wasn't necessarily open. That was a window. That was a really small window. He thinks he can get it there. And he can physically. But I think he, like I said, takes a little too many chances uh, with, that, with that golden arm of his. Interior pressure. Now, it works against any quarterback, but particularly a quarterback like Penix who wants to be a pocket-passing quarterback. He takes a little while to get to those deep throws. His average time to throw in a deep ball is over three seconds. So you've got time. If he's going to throw that, let's think about the deep ball for them. They'll throw the deep ball early and often, but you got time to get home. You got time to get pressure. You got time to move him off of his spot, force him um, outside the pocket, or force him on the move. And anytime you've seen him look erratic, and it's not very often in college football, he's looked erratic. That's why he's in the Heisman conversation. Interior pressure is one of the common denominators. 
getting right up the gut. And Texas can do that with the blitz, but they also can do it with uh, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, how deep they are at D-tackle. Now, I have a feeling, Edith, they say they're going to slide protection, try to take away that organic pressure from Texas, which means they want to force that interior pressure, probably with blitzes. Um, from the second level with Anthony Hill, or guys like Jalen Ford. Hell, you can even throw in Mo Blackwell into that group too. I think that's going to be big for Texas. How often can they get interior pressure? And I don't think you're going to be able to get it organically, consistently that way. Uh, also, I'll throw this out there too. When I've seen Pinnock struggle, he's trying to process a different pre-snap look than the post-snap look. So teams that use a lot of pre-snap disguise – and rotate their safeties and move their back seven around, you will see him hold on to the ball longer, trying to process exactly what he's identified post-snap. I think that's going to be key with a veteran quarterback like him, with veteran receivers. you got to make him see something different pre-snap and post-snap. Hold, hold on to the ball just a little bit longer. And I was surprised by this. Their receivers, you got to challenge them. You got to go up and challenge them. You can't just allow them to have easy free releases every time. Just makes their job too easy. And this guy's, these are NFL wide receivers. If you go up and press, if, now if you go up and press, they're going to challenge you and you're going to get beat every now and then just because there's three NFL caliber wide receivers. And that's just the reality of it. But if you can disrupt the timing of the route, it, I have seen that it helps you get home. It helps you turn t- translate those pressures into sacks. So Texas, yeah, they're going to have to get up and press some. They've been doing more against Tech. They did more against Oklahoma State, but different caliber receivers they're going up against. So I know they may be a little bit reluctant to do it, but they got to come up and press situationally every now and then, especially on the wide side. Take that wide side uh, read away from him and then force him to operate within a box. You can play on the wide side, I think, a little confidently because all those throws, even though he's got the arm, they're way tougher throws for him if he's going to throw a deep out to the wide side of the field or a comeback on the wide side of the field. So I think situationally, I think Texas can play some press because I think they're going to have to so they can get home. We'll come back. When we do, we go off the record. Uh, some stories from uh, around the landscape you haven't heard that you need to hear because they'll be talked about. It took them up with Ian Rod B. D.D. Mega doo-doo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get Dave Ray Van Cole. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Coming up in our next hour, we'll pick up uh, the football conversation, including Jerry Jones' first comments on the Cowboys losing out to the Eagles for the services of one Shaq Leonard, the linebacker. Uh-oh. Yeah, we'll get I saw some that. details on that. Uh, but can I mention, Rod, uh, you are uh, a proud girl dad now. Proud girl dad. Yes, sir. Uh, I am one as well for 22 years now, 21 and a half years. Uh, but how about this? You're, it, it's like spreading through the sports world now. Dak Prescott's going to be a girl dad. Luka Doncic over the oh, weekend. Oh, Luka? Her, I didn't realize girl that. Dad. Oh, nice. Congrats uh, to Luka. And now Baker cool. Mayfield. Baker, Baker, touchdown maker, who no longer lives in the Cleveland football stadium with his wife, Emily. <laughs> uh, she is also with child, and they have announced it is a girl. Oh, nice. Girl dads all over this, the landscape here, Rod. I like that. It's pretty good. Girl dad. You'll love it. You'll love it. It's fantastic. It. Yeah, you know congrats I mean? to Luke. I didn't realize that. Usually there's a bump in performance when, uh, you know, someone has their, their I told you all. That, that, that's something I look for when I'm, I'm making my picks. Uh, any, is it really? Any key players on the team had a child or are with child. I told you Fred yeah. Van Vliet. 
they won the championship big, that year, and I think it was because he had a, a kid during the playoff run. Yeah, big, they play big inspired. Big Dak energy. Big Dak energy right they, now. They play inspired, man. They do. Yeah. There's no doubt. Well, right. Dak's definitely playing inspired right now. Well, so are you, Rod. Rod's playing inspired this morning and every morning here. Yeah, hook him up with Ian Rod B. Uh, all right, what do you have for uh, off the record, Rod B? So I didn't realize this, but apparently Nick Saban's phone number oh, no. was leaked to the public. Georgia and, fans. And apparently it's Florida State fans. They were upset that they made it into the playoff and not Florida State. Tide Illustrated says Nick Saban famously uh, doesn't deliver uh, emails. However, the head coach will answer his phone. Unfortunately, he spent much of Sunday fielding complaints from anonymous callers upset over Alabama's inclusion in the college football playoff. Quote, I've, this is from Nick Saban. I've had probably over 250 anonymous callers today calling me every name in the book talking about how we shouldn't be in the playoffs. Saban told his players during Alabama's awards banquet Sunday. Uh, he said, so we still have naysayers out there. We still have players who don't believe. Uh, we still have players who don't believe in us. Nice. There you go. Hey. So uh, Nick Saban's, that's crazy that his uh, phone number got leaked like that. He said, most it. of these people are from Florida, Nick Saban said. <laughs> Florida man calling. He drew a laugh. He said, I don't know how in the hell they got my number, but now it's out there. So Nick Saban's got to change his phone number. And, yes, apparently it is Florida folks out there, Florida State people, I'm assuming, Seminole fans in that crank calling Nick Saban. All right, so a YouTuber named Trevor Jacob, YouTuber, who's a former Olympic snowboarder, Rod. He has been sentenced to six months in federal prison for obstruction of justice. Uh, he's a YouTuber, right? So you got to push the clicks. you got to push your views. got to push it, man. He went to the length of crashing his single-engine propeller plane. He crashed Crashed his... it, filmed oh, no. the whole thing. He jumped yeah, out of it. Jump, yeah. Jumped out of the plane. Come on, dude. Uh, bigger problem is he, he took a couple days to, and it got reported to the NTSB. Oh. And then they told him, well, Come leave on. it where it is because we have to investigate this. And he took a helicopter and removed all the foot, all the uh, wreckage. <laughs> they didn't want to... yeah, too late. You did, did you have social media? Sorry, it out there on social media already? Yeah. Put it on YouTube. Well, uh, he did it come and on. staged it, and it didn't come out for like a month later. He then used a helicopter to lift the wreckage out of the Los Padres National Forest this guy. on December the 10th. Come on. Dismantled man. it and disposed of it. What you That's doing? what he's going to jail for. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say you deserve to go to jail, man. You're How does this guy have this crashes? much money to be Winton Helicopter? I don't know, to... Ty. I really, I was thinking the same thing. That seems very costly, but I guess he has a lot of YouTube hits and people like watching his stuff. And, you know, he's just creating his own movie, essentially. He's like doing his own, like he's taking what, uh, you know, Tom Cruise does on Mission Impossible. He's just doing it himself. Get some GoPros and put this thing together, crash my own airplane. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> You, but the Ty's question of the budget, how much is it? How much does a single-engine airplane cost that you're going to crash? That you're going to crash, that you intensely know you're going to crash. And then the helicopter to remove the wreckage. Yeah. This guy's got some I mean, cash. How, much, how many views did he get? Was it worth it? How many views did I he saw end up it. getting? I saw it. You saw ago. it? Okay. Yeah. So, all right, so maybe, it, maybe he got the views. That he he said the experience has been a very humbling one. I hope it was worth it, man. Damn, now you're going to jail. Is he going to one of those minimum security Six jails, months. though? Maximum sentence was 20 years. He could have gone for 20 years. Yeah. Oh, well, you got to use that cash on a good lawyer, man. Can you imagine him going to the, to the, <laughs> to the prison and like, telling us the other guys, hey, what'd you do? Uh, hey, know. they probably know him already. They, they, watch, they watch YouTube in prison. <laughs> they do you know, you might have exactly seen it. I crashed my airplane. They do exactly who that dude is. Crashed my airplane. Man. Yeah. 
what we're doing Come these on, days. Dude. I like, I know. I like All the creativity. The All for the clicks, baby. You got, an, you got an economy just built on doing stupid stuff so you could get views and people could watch it. Yeah. Content creation. Hey. We'll be God back. Content you. creation is a, a phrase we should all learn at this point. Content. <laughs> it's all about the content. Damn right it is. Tell the 14 playoff that's all about the content. <laughs> we'll be back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby.